following program is intended for mature audiences. The time is now for the hardest hit, yet completely trivial, football show on the planet. You are in rarefied territory. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Broken Helmet. Let's rock. Coming to you live on tape on this Tuesday, September the 7th, the first Tuesday after Labor Day, which functions as the unofficial start of the new year. No, obviously, still 2021, but as of today, summer is over. All the college beer-swigging teenagers and 20-year-olds are off back to their colleges and universities. The kiddies are hopping on the buses to go back to school. No, no. Hopefully arriving there in one piece. And you, my friend, are crying your eyes out. Crying them out as you drink your morning coffee. Saying, what, what just happened? What happened? The summer's over. <laughs> Already. Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Why am I back at work? How the hell did I get out of this? Where's the calendar? Where's the calendar? Let me find the calendar. <laughs> When's the next vacation? Okay. Columbus Day? Seriously? Columbus Day, October? What the fuck? What the fuck? Does my, col- Does my company observe that? Oh, shit. I hope they do. Where do I go to check that? Uh, well, whatever. At least I have the weekends, right? What? What? My kids' sports programs start this weekend? Uh, oh, shit. Well, at least I have Sundays to watch football, but <laughs> Billy's soccer team plays on Sundays this year at 1 o'clock? What the fuck? Come on. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, reality comes storming in right about now to serve many a person a giant shit sandwich for lunch, but just find solace uh, that you are not alone. No, no. The, the fact is, you are not alone. You are joined by many a person. No, not me. Nope, uh, not me. Um, I, I, I can't relate because, of course, I, I still don't have a job. But many other people are right there with you on, on the trip that you're all going through. And, you know, the I remember them. I, re, I remember that Tuesday after Labor Day. And uh, how much it sucked to know that the summer is over. But, you know, fortunately for me, uh, it's just uh, like yesterday and the the day before and the day before that. But I'm different for me. Um, On top of losing my sanity, um, I I get to look forward to other little things uh, that are, are... huge actually for me specifically i find solace in the fact that the nfl season kicks off in a mere two days two days what depends on when you're listening to this of course um but that means that my thursdays sundays and monday nights will now be filled with entertainment that can thereby fuel my obsession with bad dive bars and my obsession with gambling and fantasy football yes the life of a knock-it-out-of-the-park 45-year-old. Uh, yuck. Barf. Ugh. 
Don't be me. If the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe is on to something, and uh, there is some kind of multiverse, somehow, hopefully, this message will reach future me's, and the message will be clear. Join the army. Watch Stripes, take notes, learn how to march to do a ditty, and join the effing army. Do yourself a favor. Don't be me. Don't be me. So anyway, that's my uh, rant here to uh, start things off. I hope everybody's Labor Day was super enjoyable and that you were able to milk out the summer for a couple extra days. Did get some solid weather up here in the Northeast after that horrific, horrific Hurricane Ida. Ida! That came in and basically drenched the entire area. And they did a terrible job forecasting it because it gave nobody warnings. And then all of a sudden, people were sitting in like two feet of water. Basement apartments flooded. People getting pulled out of windows to save themselves. Just a real shit job last Wednesday. But now, hopefully, you, you did not have too much damage done to your properties. And hopefully everybody that you know got out alive. And uh, now we get to enjoy, look forward to Thursday night's kickoff. We got Cowboys versus the Bucks. That one looks like it m- may be running away from the Cowboys here as they have problems on the front line. But we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, elsewhere, whatever happened, what else happened on that holiday, on the Labor Day holiday? College football came back. I'm not sure who, who got to see what games. I ended up watching Penn State versus Wisconsin, which actually was a pretty good game. I'm not a college football watcher, but it was Penn State, something to watch. Threw it on, and I, the fact that Wisconsin lost that game still blows my mind. Um, and then the games that night, I think it was uh, LSU. Well, that was uh, maybe that was the same day. LSU ended up losing to UCLA, uh, which was a little bit of a shocker. And the other one was Miami played um, Miami played Alabama. Alabama destroyed Miami. You know, it's not the way to start your season off. You're ranked decently ranked, then you go up against the number one team in the nation, and you just get your doors blown off. And then you gotta stare at the rest of the season and been like, well, I mean, what do we do from here, right? I mean, if you want to get back to the championship game, you've got to basically win out your entire schedule, and then you're gonna have to meet the team that probably beat you and blew you up again down the road. Are we gonna really be able to do that? Probably not. If we lose one more game around here, it's just on to shit. The bowls. The bowl system. Who cares? Who cares? Expand that playoff, please. And then the last night, uh, what, whatever Sunday night, I guess uh, Sunday night, yeah. Um, there was the the Notre Dame game, which was actually pretty good because they played FSU. And if you did not see this game, FSU lost their starting quarterback late in the game. I think in the fourth quarter, if I remember right. And on came this little short dude. I'm at a bar, my fascination with dive bars, as I mentioned, uh, with a buddy of mine. And we turn, and, and I start talking about, you know, oh, who is this? He's like, oh, yeah, this is the transfer they got from UCF. I'm like, from UCF? And he's like, yeah, he, uh, he got injured, and now, now he's back. I said, not, not the same guy that tore up his knee like three years ago, right? And he was like, no, I think that's him. I said, there's no way. That, that guy's got to be like, you know, mid-20s at this point. And sure enough, it was uh, Milton McKenzie. It was him. He, he came back and looked fantastic. 
when he hopped on the field there and looked like he was running an offense. The great thing about it was you're, you, the one thing about college football to me that I always have trouble getting into is that the, the quarterbacks don't seem to run offenses, right? They, they make plays but not necessarily run offenses. So I again I'm not a college aficionado, college football aficionado, so I you know take these words for what they're worth. But he hopped in there and obviously because I looked it up he's 23. Could be t- turning 24, but he's 23 right now. So and he's been around the block. He just had 2 years off to study. I mean he was fantastic when he was at UCF, but he comes in there and all of a sudden the game's so thoroughly better to watch because this quarterback is basically reading the defense, checking down the the uh the receiver tree and boom I you know it just made the game fun to watch I think they scored 10 points to bring it to even going into overtime and then Notre Dame won a field goal I think at the end so uh college football that 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 uh over overtime that they have there exchanging possessions and then it, it ended up winning on a field goal but point being it was pretty enjoyable to watch that game seeing that kid McKenzie come in and you play really well for somebody whose knee was basically cut in half so and that was basically the weekend and here we are it is Tuesday let's get in to the updates from around the league we will fly out to the COVID front and check in with everything that's going on there because as we know, and we're probably going to end on this too, but as we know that COVID here is going to be a lot trickier this year than it was last year. Reason being because unlike last year when everybody was in the bubble and so there really was no exposure to people because everybody was living on their own, You, I mean, there was an occasional COVID test, but there wasn't a whole hell of a lot. This year, everything is different because everybody is out amongst each other. And so we've been seeing it all throughout the preseason. And now we are seeing what's going to happen in the actual season and how this is going to play out with games on the line. And now we've seen people, looks like they're going to be lost for the first week. So we'll start off Panthers, their starting right guard, John Miller. He goes on the COVID list. That happened on Monday. They will have a game on Sunday. So depending on his vaccination status, if he can return two negative tests in 48 hours, he can then return. Otherwise, he sits out the 10 days or until he does. If he sets it 10 days, he will miss the first game. So the Panthers will be out their right guard. Get those tests in, you're good. This is why there's an infatuation with everybody being vaccinated. Cowboys D, uh, whatever, O-lineman Zach Martin, right? He is now on the COVID list. They do not think that he's going to get those two tests in if he's vaccinated, which I believe I read he was. So they're hoping that he could get the two tests in by Thursday, but it's not looking likely. So he most likely with a Thursday game is going to miss, right? Because, I mean, it's already Tuesday. He'd have to give a negative test today and then Wednesday or possibly Wednesday and then Thursday. But, I mean, if he just contracted it, it probably would be tough to do. Um, And now the Cowboys, that's going to impact them even more because their tackle, Lil Collins, is dealing with stingers. So he might not even play. So they might be out Martin and Collins for Game 1 Thursday versus the Buccaneers and that defense. Good luck with that. That could be a 
disaster. Honey Badger, right? So he's out. They're having, you know, they're they're seeing if he'll be able to make it. He's got to return the two tests. So I guess they're in waiting period to see if he can do that. They said it's a quote unquote wait and see approach whether or not that he can come back for the Chiefs. The Jets wide receiver Jamison Crowder, he's on the COVID list. I believe that happened Monday or Sunday. So he will be out. He'll have to do the same depending on his on his vaccination status. It'll be two negative tests or 10 days. Ndamukong Sue, he is off the COVID list, so he will play on Thursday. So the Cowboys have Martin and Collins out. They lose two players. The Bucks get one player back. So they're, they're the most recent COVID uh, notables. There are others you can... Read them yourself. There are a bunch, but those were the ones who were of most note. So injuries, obviously the injury bug, always of concern, and the Ravens got nailed by it again. Again, these guys got hit. (gasps) Running back, Justice Hill, same position. Same position these guys got hit. Not only J.K. Dobbins, who I effing drafted in the first league that I had a draft in this year. Now, Justice Hill, who I actually picked up as his backup. I decided not to get Taysom Williams. Uh, But anyway, Justice Hill, he's out because he popped an Achilles. So he's done for the year. See you later. Sayonara. Good luck to you. They're going to kick the tires, the Ravens, that is, on Le'Veon Bell and Devontae Freeman, maybe amongst others, to try to fill in this backfield. But talk about a turn of events for the Ravens. You go into the season, you have two solid running backs, one who looks like he's on the verge of stardom in J.K. Dobbins, had a monster back half of 2020, and then you have Gus the Bus. Uh, along with that, then you have Justice Hill, and then this Taysen Williams kid who looks good, was good on the practice squad last year. And then all of a sudden, just like that, you lose your starter to injury, and then you lose your third stringer to injury. And now you're kicking the tires on Le'Veon Bell. Good luck with that. Uh, although I'd like to see Le'Veon Bell back in the league. I'd love to see if he had something left. I, he probably doesn't. I mean, if you go by what you see on tape and on you know the numbers, he doesn't. But uh, it would be nice to see him get one more go-round here where he could show something. Because really, I mean, he had that one last season with the Steelers, sat out a year, and didn't do shit afterwards. So it was just a really quick career for somebody who was awesome. I mean, that guy was so good with the Steelers. So, all right, elsewhere in the league in terms of injuries, we've got the giant Saquon Barkley. He is going to play in week one, and that's what they're saying. But tight end Evan Ingram will not. He hurt himself on a non-contact play um, in the final third preseason game versus the Patriots, and it was calf injury. So he is going to be out week one, but they get Barkley back. So, yay, good for you. The 49ers trade Lance. He did not throw on Monday, but they did get wide receiver stud Brandon Ayuk back at practice, so it looks like he'll be a go for Sunday's game. 
The Jets offensive tackle, Makai Becton, he is expected to play. Now, you know, last you heard of him, he got a noggin knocker on the field, after which he ran over to the sideline and threw up all over the sideline, throwing him directly into the concussion protocol. And But they believe that he will be able to return from that and play on Sunday. The Rams get their defensive lineman, Sean Robinson, back. He had nurse, if you remember us talking about that, he had knee surgery mid to late August, I think. And so, whatever. They did the scope, and it looks like he is going to be coming back to play in their first game, as is the Patriots' Hunter Henry. The tight end, he's been out for a while now. He's always fucking hurt. I, he got hurt again in preseason, didn't play at all. He's expected to come back for week one, so you'll get to see the Patriots with their new look, dual tight end approach of Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. Hopefully neither of those guys shot anybody. The Bucks cornerback Jordan Whitehead is going to be a question mark for this week as he is not practicing, and obviously they've got their first game versus the Cowboys in a couple of days, making him a question mark. And the Bengals cornerback Trey Waynes, if you, we talked about him earlier, he has not practiced in the police preseason most likely he is going to miss week one now he is the cornerback that played for the vikings and then the bengals got him as a free agent but turned around and missed all of 2020 and now has not been able to get it going in the preseason so it looks like they'll have to wait to see if he will be able to help that defense and that program as they try to turn things around Um, most you know Importantly, behind Joe Burrow, that, I mean, that's going to be the uh, fuel for that engine. But uh, you're always trying to add talent across the roster, and they just don't know what they're going to have in Wayne's because he's just not playing. Uh, and that brings us to some news and notes. T.J. Watt. Now, this has become a little problematic because T.J. has not practiced all all preseason because he wants a new contract. He's in his fifth year. And he wants to make his money now because why would you want to throw it on the line and watch yourself get injured and then have to deal with the what-ifs of the contract negotiation as the team says, well, you just blew out your knee and we don't know if you're going to come back. So he has not been practicing, but ultimately something is going to have to happen here because he is either going to be a holdout and he is going to start getting fined or the Steelers are going to end up paying him. Uh, I, I cannot see the third option, which would be he just TJ Watt throws in the towel and then just goes in and plays after not practicing all preseason. But a hey, crazier things have had happened, so we will find out soon enough as the season starts on Sunday. And Texans coach David Culley told us something that we all knew. Tell me something I don't know, motherfucker. Uh, that Tyra Taylor is starting at quarterback. Oh, whoop de fucking do you know. Um, all right, so that was the news and notes. There's actually some contract info, too. The 49ers, they brought in and signed Josh Norman, the cornerback, and then they turned around in the same breath and released Dante Johnson. So, happy trails to Mr. Johnson. The Bears brought in wide receiver Brashad Perriman. Obviously, Perriman had his fantastic year uh, with the Bucks a couple of seasons ago with, I, I, I believe that was the season, last season of Jameis. Um, and then he took off, did not have a good year last year when he went to Detroit, and Detroit ultimately let him go, and now the Bears have 
kick the tires, quote-unquote, on him. So we'll see if he can hop in there with Mooney and Robinson and add to that passing attack. Obviously, it's Andy Dalton throwing the rock, so uh, that could be a little bit of a disaster. Um, Duke Johnson has found himself a home, not on any actual roster, however. It's going to be on a practice squad. He goes to Jacksonville, signs up there, and Jacksonville also is going to be kicking the tires. Man, how many times can I say kicking the tires? This is what happens. You, you know, you don't do a podcast for a couple of days, and then you just use crutches. So anyway, uh, yeah, like I said, Jags kicking the tires on Ruben Foster, the linebacker. Now, Foster actually got a look-see from the Jets as well, and now he will get a second look-see. There we go. I'm using the same thing twice right there. Uh, by the Jags. Foster's, look, he was awesome. He just had way too many legal issues, and if I... You know, in the slew of legal issues that he had, I think the one that really got him was when him and his girlfriend got into an altercation. And, uh, you know, I think allegedly he hit her, something to that effect. Uh, He did come back for the Redskins last year, but then he blew his knee out. And it's just a shame because he was a high draft pick. He looked great when he was with the 49ers. And then, obviously, the legal issues destroyed that venture of his career. And then the injury, you know, derailed his second go-round. And now he's just stuck in limbo here. But the Jags are going to see if he's got something left in the tank. Ah, here I am, cliche monster. And they're going to see if he can help contribute to their defense. Um, and the Ravens and Mark Andrews, they agreed to a four-year deal. So Mark Andrews, the tight end, came through. He's looked good the past two years. Looked better two years ago than he did last year. But still, the Ravens have liked what they saw enough to give him a four-year deal. And that leaves us with the final contract news bite. And that is the Saints, who have signed veteran cornerback Desmond Trufant and have brought him onto the squad to see how he could help them in the secondary. So that's basically all the COVID injuries, news, and contract notes for today. We have two days, like I said, until the start of the season. And so I would imagine the next 48 hours is probably going to be pretty light. There'll be practices um, for sure. I, you know, the only thing you probably would hear out of this is injuries. And we're going to be keeping an eye, like we will for every week going forward, on the COVID status of a lot of these players. But I think now it's just going to go right into the first game. Cowboys Bucks is what's going to lead all NFL headlines in the short term here as we get ready to kick the season off. Now, when talking about the season, we've talked about it on the pod way too much, more than you like to hear. But we have talked about COVID because it is all the rage. Now, that's what I wanted to talk about most today. And not about COVID, but just to reiterate the point that we have been making here, which was basically backed up by the great one, Bill Belichick himself. So if you have not read the headlines, Bill Belichick came out, I forget what day it was, but it was over the Labor Day weekend. 
and he issued some thoughts and uh, pearls of wit and wisdom related to COVID. So they were talking to him about, I, I believe, cutting Cam Newton. And they were trying to ask him whether or not the COVID status of Cam Newton came into play. And so he responded, and here is his quote. Quote, you guys keep talking about that, and I would just point out that I don't know what the number is. I mean, you guys can look it up. You have access to a lot of information. But the number of players and coaches and staff members that have been infected by COVID in the training camp who have been vaccinated is a pretty high number. So I wouldn't lose sight of that. We, we have other players on the team who aren't vaccinated, as I would say probably does every other team in the league. We've had minimal throughout the league. There have been a number of quite a high number, I would say, of players who have had the virus who have been vaccinated. So your implication that the vaccination solves every problem, I would say that has not been substantiated based on what's happening in training camp this year. (laughs) A fucking men. I mean, seriously. It's exactly what we've been saying here. Is that if you look at the numbers and you you can pretty much see throughout the past three, four weeks of training camp, the people who have been vaccinated that have not been, the people that have tested positive that have not been vaccinated have sat out 10 days. The people who have been vaccinated have basically returned to work in about four or five days. And you can see that this week as people are coming on and coming off and coming on and coming off. I, I mean, it's it's been, you know, pretty routine now to see people noted as testing positive and see them back at work in about four or five days. Um, and you could see that, I you know, I don't have the numbers out here. Like Mr. Belichick said, you can go out and look it up yourself. But I know it for a fact only because when you record a podcast and you write all this stuff down and you, and you notice these names and then all of a sudden you see a blurb where, oh, that, that guy that I just said... Uh, is out for COVID is actually coming back. So, and then you're like, oh, that's definitely not 10 days. I'll tell you that much right now. So the COVID protocol and the COVID approach for the NFL this year is all about one thing. And that is about getting the players to return to work. If they're vaccinated, they can return to work way sooner than if they're not. If they are unvaccinated, and they test positive so close to a game, let's say it's a Saturday, you're going to lose two games, which is a huge issue. So for somebody like Zach Martin, who just tested positive for the Cowboys, he is probably going to miss the first game because he tested positive super close to their early game, which is the Thursday kickoff game. So he can probably get back for game two, because even if he's unvaccinated, you know, three days takes you to Thursday. Then you got a full week. That's back to Thursday. And then they've got three, four games. I don't know the Cowboys schedule. I'm assuming they play on Sunday, the second week. Um, but And he could come back and play in that game, right? So if that had happened on a Saturday, he would have missed this week's game, assuming that's a Sunday, and then the following week's game. Um, And so you're seeing this play out in real time with some of these players right now. Honey Badger, he's been out. They're hoping that he can come back. He's vaccinated, I assume, which is why, you know, as soon as he takes those two tests that prove negative, 
He's back in there. Jamison Crowder for the Jets. He just tested positive. If he is unvaccinated, he will be out for week one. If he is vaccinated, he very well likely could come back. So Belichick has said the same thing. Look, we have seen the numbers, and you are trying to insinuate that Cam Newton is not on the team anymore, and we let him go because he's unvaccinated. But what I'm telling you is that whether he's vaccinated or not vaccinated, we've seen them both. So the vaccinations aren't the end-all, be-all. People are just testing positive. That's what's happening. Um, and if he was good enough, I, I well, now this is my words, is that if he's good enough, he would be here. But if you'd watched any of the Patriots preseason, he had played enough to show you that his arm is kaput. It is shot. No good anymore. His arm is way, way, way past its prime. Whatever's wrong with it, he had the injury a couple of years ago, had surgery. It never came back. So that's why he is not there. And if you read the other tidbits, like Mac Jones teaching Cam Newton the playbook, you can understand why it's, you know, they, they gave him his walking papers. But Belichick's comments are controversial, right? Because you can't come out and say the vaccines, you know, or insinuate they're not working. Right. Although he didn't say they weren't working. All he said was that there's been a number of, quite a high number, I would say, of players who have had the virus who have been vaccinated. So your implication that the vaccination solves every problem, I would say that has not been substantiated based on what's happening in training camp this year. The implication that vaccination solves every problem, I would say... That has not been substantiated based on what's happening in training camp this year. Nothing about that statement is incorrect. It's all on the money. What he's saying is, yeah, you can be vaccinated, but people are still testing positive. So it doesn't really solve the problem. Now, that's a little cheap because he does not talk about the bonus for being vaccinated and returning to work in you know, possibly three, four days. But he does say an accurate statement where it's, hey, look, vaccinations are personal preferences. They look like they pretty much prevent you from getting seriously ill, which is a great thing. But people are still catching COVID, so it's not an end-all be-all. Well, the NFL freaks the fuck out when Belichick comes out and implies that the vaccines aren't the end-all be-all. And then on Friday, their NFL chief medical officer, a person by the name of Alan Sills, said to Judy Batista of NFL Media, quote, We released our data last week from the first three weeks of August, and that data has consistently shown higher rates of infection in unvaccinated players than in vaccinated players. That was true at intake when they first came into training camp, and it was true during the first three-week period of August that we released. From a medical perspective, go to any major medical center in the country, and you will walk around. Those patients who are hospitalized, those who are in the ICU, you see the evidence that vaccines are working. This statement also is true, but it it doesn't really, it, again, it doesn't really address what Belichick was saying. And Belichick was basically saying vaccinated and unvaccinated players are both testing positive. So we could keep them on the team 
if he was vaccinated or he wasn't vaccinated, but it's not going to prevent him from getting COVID, right? Again, everybody's dancing around the the true point of all these COVID protocols, and that is so the NFL teams can have their players on the field all the fucking time. That's what this is about. This is so NFL teams don't have to play short-manned. So they've come up with a system, not scientific in nature at all. It's all just arbitrary. But they have said that unvaccinated, you're out 10 days. Vaccinated, you're out 10 days unless you can produce two positive tests 24 hours apart. Now, I have not seen any any protocol like that anywhere else or even heard of it or mentioned on any news site, liberal, conservative, medical journal. There's been nothing that says, oh, so long as you can pass two negative tests within 48 hours, you're good to go. I've not heard anybody say that. Now, I, I'm not a COVID um, expert. I am not a COVID researcher, so maybe there is some kind of research out there that does imply that, you know, this two negative tests within 48 hours is a good way to assure the rest of the team that they are not going to be exposed to COVID by the said player who had COVID. I don't know. Maybe. But again, as the NFL and Belichick are going out here, they're not talking about that because that's the main point. I, I give kudos to Belichick for speaking his mind, which is basically that the vaccines aren't preventing anybody from getting COVID, so it doesn't work that way. And the NFL, they're right. The amount of positives in vaccinated players is lower than the positives in unvaccinated players. That is true, too. However, vaccinated players are still testing positive. And that's the point. Is that the breakthrough case is not breakthrough at all. Right? Nobody cares. Nobody cares if the vaccinated players are getting it at lesser of a clip. If it was a true vaccine, you wouldn't get it. Right? You don't take the MMR shot. And then, oh, you know, well, you know, about like 25% of the people get measles. You know, the other 75 don't, but I mean, about 25 do, you know, it works okay. No, you get your MMR shirt and that's it. Measles, mumps, and rubella, the gun. You don't get it. That's, that's a vaccine. A flu shot is not a flu vaccine. Did you get your flu vaccine this year? No, I got my flu shot. And they fucked up again. They, they, they got the wrong strain. So, I, you know, I ended up getting flu. You know, I, I mean, that, that's a shot is a therapeutic. That's what this COVID shot is. It's a COVID shot. It's not a COVID vaccine. So this whole vaccinated versus unvaccinated players is hot garbage. And that's the part that the NFL misses is that it's not that the rate of vaccinated players testing positive is lower than unvaccinated players. It's that vaccinated players are still testing positive are still testing positive. So, yes, getting the COVID shot does look to prevent you from getting seriously ill. If you are comfortable with having an unknown therapeutic in your system, then I I would say by all means go and do that. 
I was not necessarily comfortable with it. I did it anyway because I thought it was in the best interest of my children. If I was to get sick, am I... Do I have bad health? No. Um, but I don't think i um, uh, you know, impervious to this disease. Uh, my wife got it. My youngest son ended up getting it on separate occasions. I don't. We don't know how my wife got it. We believed that my son got it from his kindergarten teacher because there were several children in the class that got it, um, and and she was the first one. She was a long hauler. She's still battling it here, um, which is shame and a, and a terrible story if you hear about it. Uh, my youngest son was fine though, but the point being is that my wife got it. The other three people in the house, that being my two sons and me, did not get it. And then my youngest son got it. And then me and my oldest son still didn't get it. Right? So it's a weird it's a weird virus. It's a weird disease. It goes around, you know, randomly. Um, but because, you know, I have one son who did not get it. And, you know, I don't know, maybe my youngest son actually tested a false positive. So maybe he got it. Maybe he didn't get it. You know, you don't really know because the kid, uh, I mean, he didn't really show any kind of signs all that much. I, he, he had no temperature and no nothing. He just, we, we thought he looked a little, his skin looked a little funny. You know, my wife's like, his coloring's a little off. And so we got him checked because we knew the teacher had it. And sure enough, he had it. Um, so anyway, for the, for the betterment of my children, hoping that it would help prevent me from going in to the hospital and, you know, preventing death, I took the vaccine. However, if you're not comfortable with it because it is a first-run type of serum here, um, I can completely understand it. And stating all of that, the point is, is that it is a choice to take it or not to take it. And the NFL has created a protocol to try to keep all of their players on the field. But it should not be a, uh, I don't know, a, a vote of confidence in the vaccine because people are still getting it. It does run through their system pretty quick because I will say that judging on the players that have tested positive, that have been vaccinated, they have returned uh, back to work and back to play here in a short amount of time. So I do think that the shot prevents you from getting really ill. But the point is that Belichick said the vaccine is not preventing everybody from getting COVID. So, you know, just look at the numbers. And then the NFL flipped out because how dare you say that the vaccines aren't working? They're working. They're working. And this obviously set off a chain of events going through the NFL because somebody got back to Belichick. Because now what Belichick said is this, and this is from Mark Daniels of the Providence Journal, quote, no player has been kept or released because of their vaccine status. My comment relative to vaccinations are really the way I feel. That's an individual decision to make. We're better off if everyone is vaccinated. <laughs> and that's it. And so, obviously, somebody grabbed Mr. Belichick and was like, Hey, Bill, shut the fuck up and just move on and stop talking about the vaccine. And he did this small, stupid mea culpa, which isn't really even a mea culpa. He just said, I said what I said about vaccines that's what i believe in we're better off if everyone is vaccinated and that that right there that right there is the money shot because that is the truth if there ever was one 
this is what the NFL protocol on COVID vaccines are is all about. We're better off if everyone is vaccinated because it keeps everybody on the field. And that's what the deal is. And as a result, the NFL vaccination rate sits at about 93%. 93%, which is pretty solid. So they've done a good job getting all the players on the COVID vaccine list. And there's even people like Denzel Perriman, I think there was one of the stories that I just recently wrote, uh, read, and he said that, you know, he wasn't vaccinated, but now he was thinking about it because he didn't want to be outcast, right? Because everybody's jumping on board here. And this goes all the way back to, you know, the beginning of camp when Jerry Jones was saying that this was a, a, a team issue and you were letting your teammates down and it was for the betterment of all people if they got the vaccine. And, uh, you know, it's just basically entwined itself into the fabric of the NFL. This being the COVID vaccination situation. And you just can't get away from it. So, um, you know, I, I imagine as you see players like Martin, uh, Honey Badger, you know, test positive and it being closer to games, I'm sure those that who are not vaccinated are might have second thoughts because you don't want to miss a game. You know, and especially there's going to be a game at some point this year where an unvaccinated star of some, you know, uh, going to be an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman, somebody, you know, quarterback, maybe, who knows. But, you know, there'll be somebody of note that's unvaccinated that ends up missing a game because they test positive and they're just out for 10 games. And, I, you know, at that point, then we will revisit this again and see how, you know, what kind of impact that has on a team. Because say, let's say it is Zach Martin. Uh, you know, I'm just saying uh, Zach Martin, he tests positive. Let's say he wasn't vaccinated. He misses two games. Happens on a Saturday. They miss two games. They end up losing the two games and then they miss the playoffs by one game. That, that then that right there is the situation that everybody is going to avoid. Because then the COVID vaccination had a huge heavy hand in the playoff outcome of any given team, right? And so all these owners have been trying to somehow force these players into taking the vaccine to prevent that event from happening. So ultimately, it should just be a personal choice. It still is a personal choice. Just like the rest of societies we're seeing right here now, though, there's just becoming almost a two-tier society for vaccinated versus unvaccinated. In this case, I, I think it's it's a little different because all these players are around each other so much and so close that you almost have to have some kind of differentiation between the two because, you know, like the NFL said, and it's true if you look at it, that, you know, the vaccinated players have been getting it less and they've been returning to work quicker. So there is data behind the fact that the vaccines, the shots, um, are getting people back to work and, you know, I don't know, could possibly be 
helping to prevent the spread. We don't really know if that's the case or not, but uh, that is going to have to. That's a wait and see uh, point of the whole thing. But um, so there we go. There's there's the COVID part for the week. Belichick v NFL. And that's it for this. Now, we will be returning this week, and we will be getting back to form because on Thursday is the first game of the season. So, Brothers Eggy are going to be coming together soon. I believe we're going to do it Wednesday for our first, first gambling show of the year. Yes. And we will be giving you all the losers. So if you just invert all of our picks and you pick the other ones, you'll probably be doing good. But uh, we haven't obviously done a gambling show since the Super Bowl, so it'll be good to get back to form, get our first down, second down, third down, fourth down format back, and we will be humming right along. So until then, enjoy your Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and talk to you guys soon. Audi 5000.